Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Hello, and welcome to Small Business Digest Radio. My name is Don Mazzella, and I am your host for a program devoted to identifying strategies and suggestions to help small business managers increase profits, add sales, better manage cash flow, improve employee management, and streamline operations. Our guests are other entrepreneurs and experts offering their solutions to the problems and opportunities facing small business leaders. Our aim in each program is to provide one or two thought-provoking ideas or suggestions. So follow us on Twitter at hashtag 2SBDigest or at our website at www.smallbusinessdigest.net. You know... I have to learn to let that music play itself out. Uh, you know, we have an interesting program tonight. Uh, and you, by the way, one of my guests emailed me back uh, the, the other day and said, I say, you know too much uh, on this program, so I'll try not to. But let's be frank about it. Most of the people here in our audience probably know a lot more about small business than I'll ever know. Um, well, there's a recent survey that said that small businesses don't take advantage of technology as much as they should and don't fully appreciate how much uh, is now available in terms of information, uh, ease, easing of uh, operations. And uh, I took that to heart. And uh, we were really fortunate today to get um, uh, a very, uh, what I think is a very unusual and important uh, new application. Uh, we welcome to the program uh, the CEO of Owler, Jim Jim Fa- uh, Fowler. Boy, I uh, really fouled out that easy name. But uh, Jim, Jim, welcome to the program. And before we really get into this subject that I r- really want to dig deep into, uh, that um, survey really shook me up. Um, Tell us a little bit about yourself personally before we do anything else. Sure, Don. It's a pleasure to be here. I, uh, I'm a serial entrepreneur located out here in the in the Silicon Valley. Um, I uh, I started a, and sold a company that some of your listeners may be familiar with, um, a company called Jigsaw. We were started back in, in 2003, and we sold to Salesforce.com uh, in May 2010, um, we were the first big acquisition by Salesforce, uh, and uh, that was for $175 million when we got bought back in, in May of 10. And the whole company, uh, Jigsaw, was around 
crowdsourcing business contact information that was used by all sizes of business, but especially small businesses, to help their sales, to figure out who they would contact in a target organization. And we used a crowdsourcing model for that. Um, my current company, Owler, um, which is my next startup, um, we, uh, we crowdsource uh, uh, business information, but we specialize in helping small businesses um, with competitive intelligence and understanding who their competitors are, um, send them free reports on that, and keep them up to date on news and alerts about their companies and competitors. Okay. So now that you've given, up, given away the store. Um, uh, oh, sorry. <laughs> but, but it's always better when the um, CEO uh, introduces and gives the, uh, the uh, uh, elevator pitch for the company. Um, I guess my first question is, why should um, a small business keep up with his, his, his or her competitor? Well, I think, Don, we, we all um, are very, very busy. And if, if your listeners are like me, you know, the, the presidents and the, the business owners that run their businesses, they always carry around a little bit of guilt, feeling like, I don't, I don't pay quite as much a, a, a enough attention to my competitors as I should. And, uh, boy, if there was just an easy way to make that happen, I would do it. And so technology has really made it, um, made it easier and free for small businesses to do this, not just in what I do, but in, across the board. So I'm not here to just, you know, pitch our company and tell them about Aller. There's lots of technologies out there that help small businesses, and I think it's a combination of folks just don't have time. Sometimes they think they don't have time uh, to, to, uh, to use these technologies, but I think across the board they're becoming free and they're also becoming very, very easy to use and save people that time. Well, no question about that. Uh, uh, there seems to be an app for just about everything today. But uh, <laughs> uh, if you think about it, um, that's the that's the way things are going. And when I heard about your company, I was intrigued because uh, uh, <clears throat> competitive analysis uh, is something we all talk about but seldom do anything about. Um, but uh, Go a little further now. Uh, I'm a small business. Uh, uh, what do I have to do to uh, uh, use your product? Let's start with your product and then go from there and try to educate uh, the audience a little bit about uh, the benefits of competitive analysis. Sure. Well, Don, first, I, I prefer to use the word intelligence rather than analysis because analysis just sounds like it takes a lot of work and it's one of those things that, uh, you know, uh, we don't have time to do. What I think of more of intelligence as something that just it's fast, it's easy, and it gives you information that you can digest quickly. So it's just semantics, but uh, we usually try to position it that way. Um, so let me dive a little bit deeper. Um, uh, I, I want to back up for a moment and talk about what is crowdsourcing because it's really, really important to what we do. Um, the Internet is allowed... Uh, a lot of crowdsourcing projects that your listeners are probably familiar with. Um, one of the most successful is Wikipedia. Um, I don't know about you, but I can sure remember as a young man and going through college, cracking open the, uh, the, the gold um, embossed um, uh, books of Encyclopedia Britannica and, you know, having to go to the library to do that and 
even some of us bought World Book or Encyclopedia Britannica. Now, we would never dream of that because there's this amazing online resource that's been crowdsourced called Wikipedia. And for most of the world, this free resource is good enough, um, and they certainly don't have to pay all the money to, to buy Encyclopedia Britannica. And it, it's just, a, I think, it's been a, a game changer in the educational space. Well, the same things are happening in in, uh, in the business world where the uh, companies can come in and say, hey, here's a free resource. If everyone gives a little bit of information, then it ends up making the whole thing really valuable and the company then can go sell that data. And that's really what these crowdsourcing models look like. My first company, Jigsaw, did the same thing with contact data and Aller is about competitive intelligence. So the way – does that make sense so far? I don't want to drone on here in terms of uh, going too far. Are there any questions about that before I answer your first question? Oh, no, no. I, look, the, the, the floor is yours, but I will say one thing. I, uh, I will not permit anybody to use Wikipedia that works for me simply because uh-huh. I know um, – I, I simply know that, that uh, uh, you can't verify all the f- facts on Wikipedia – and that's that's where, as an old uh, journalist, uh, we part company. But you know, I, and I I totally understand as a journalist. But if you're a you know you're a, a kid, you know that's you know let's just say you're a poor kid in you know some place where you're not going to be able to get to a library or get to um, you know that get to a place where you can do that. It's certainly a resource that is uh, um, you know uh, I agree you can't back everything up that like you would as a journalist, but Many, many people have a free resource that is certainly better than their alternative. That's my main point about crowdsourcing. The, the problem you have with data is no data is perfect. And uh, the whole goal is how do you get the, to the closest possible truth. But I understand completely from a journalist's perspective. Um, well, outside of that, what you're saying is absolutely true. And uh, what I love about this program, uh, I learn a lot from uh, just doing it. So please continue. So um, the problem with, with information um, is that business owners are often forced to make decisions based on poor or non-existent information. And, again, one, one of the things that I've always said about being in this business is that, you know, my Jigsaw database and, of course, the Aller database, it's far from perfect. Same thing with Wikipedia. But for, in most cases, it is far more perfect than the next best alternative. So for what we do is we deliver free um, uh, uh, competitive intelligence reports to our users. Um, and, and the way that that works is they come into us, and we, uh, you just come to Owler.com and you sign up, and, and the first question we're going to ask you is, what is your company? And then what's going to happen is the next phase of this will say, well, hey, this is what our community believes that your top competitors are, um, and it gives you a long list of this, and you'll pick the top three. And then from that point forward, we're going to send you a series of reports that show you how you compare against your competitors in a bunch of different ways. Um, Things like um, uh, how many social media followers that you've got, um, how many um, press articles that you get, how many uh, um, blog posts, if your competitors are blogging as an example, but also other things like um, how uh, what the estimated revenue of your company is compared to your peers and this is all done um, through the crowd. And so it's the, the wisdom of crowds concept, and it helps you understand what the market believes your competitors are doing compared to you 
uh, in a bunch of different ways. Another one is um, the CEO or president rating. It gives uh, um, everyone comes in and 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 gives ra- um, approval ratings on everyone, and those are all comparative. In addition, we also send out we monitor lots and lots of news uh, feeds, and we alert you when there's news um, or events about your competitors or companies that you're following. So it's a very, very easy way to stay on top of what's happening with your company, your competitive set, and your industry. Well, I have to tell you, someone used your service at my behest and was absolutely thrilled with it. So, I mean, oh, you're, you're great. Talking, okay. So we try to test everything before a person comes on the program. And in this case, I happen to run into somebody, one of your earliest uh, users. And uh, she thinks it's fabulous. So oh, you, I'm so you're glad to hear that. Talking to the choir right now. Well, every entrepreneur loves to hear those words, Don. Let me tell you. Thank you. Well, uh, I'm too old to remember my life. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh, anyway, now, um, so uh, I, I, a uh, company comes in. What if, uh, where do you get your database from? And how do you um, identify who the uh, the companies are by SIC code? How do you do it? Yeah. So um, first of all, we're we're rethinking the way that um, companies think about identifying companies. And I'm sure most of your readers have all heard of a, of a big company called Dunn and Bradstreet. Well, Dun & Bradstreet is very famous for the Dunn's number, and that is um, what most of the world has thought about as using as a primary identifier of a company. Well, what we believe is that the problem with Dunn's number is, A, you have to pay to get access to all of that to understand, you know, and by the way, just to be really clear, let's just take a big company that we would all know, Apple. Well, Apple has a, a – you've got to identify that, it's Apple that's based in Cupertino and makes our iPhones, right? Because if you just go type in any large database, and by the way, Aller has almost 10 million company profiles in our database that have all been built by a community of business owners as well as some technology. Um, if you search for Apple, there's going to be over 100 hits on that, and meaning that there's lots and lots of companies out there that have the word Apple in their name. And how do you determine that the Apple that I'm thinking of is that same Apple? Well, you need a primary identifier of that company. And so Dunn's number is in the traditional way, but that's a closed and proprietary way of looking at it. Um, you can't just go get the Dunn's number of any company that you want. What we want to do is fundamentally change the way that the business world thinks and, and teach them that using a free and open so, uh, system for identifying companies is the best way to go, and that's the URL of the company. I would imagine that a huge percentage of your listeners all have websites for their companies. Well, uh, a primary identifier of, of Apple would be www.apple.com. Everyone in the world can knows that that's a unique identifier that identifies the company you're thinking about. So that's, that's thing number one of how we get the data in, and that that's how we identify what a company is. So the, the way we get a lot of our data in is business owners are now coming into Owler and making sure that their data is in there. Um, but, of course, the next phase of that is when you come in and say, hey, this is my company and here's my top three competitors, well, if we get three or four people all doing that, every one of their lists is going to look a little bit different. But when you put them all together, the data, again, you've got the wisdom of crowds working because more than one person has done it. We get a really good look 
at what is um, the most likely to be competitive going down to um, what is least likely to be competitive based on how many times they show up. Does that make sense? It does. It does. I have to tell you, whenever Dunn calls us for information, we just don't give it to them. We're a private company. And right. uh, I don't even know what my Dunn's number is. Good for you, Don. I like you better every minute. Because <laughs> we're not fans of Don's number either, and we plan to uh, to lead the charge to get everyone to use URL instead of Don's number as the way to identify companies. Well, that's really fascinating. So please keep going to talk some more. Well, so then what happens is when you come in and get these competitive intelligence reports, you know your competitors better. You know your own company, you know your competitors. And we start showing you what our whole community believes is, um, you know, your, your revenue or your number of employees or you as the president or CEO of the company, your rating, how well you're doing, as well as many other things um, where you will come in and interact. This all adds to the crowdsource data. And again, it's never perfect because the reality is, is that, you know, if you're a private company, you're not out, not, unlike a, a public company, you don't have to disclose your revenue. Yet, needing to understand how much revenue companies do, how much revenue, how much revenue each company makes is a really important thing for salespeople, as an example. Many salespeople will only go sell to a company that has this much revenue because if they don't have, let's say, over $5 million in revenue, they won't have enough money to buy my product. Well, figuring out the best estimate of that is very, very valuable. So for us, our whole system is free. Everyone gets to use it as an individual for free, but large companies end up paying a lot of money for the data that we that our community creates because there's a lot of value to it because we can create better data than uh, the traditional companies like Dun & Bradstreet, for example. Hmm. Well, do you integrate it with uh, products like Salesforce? Absolutely. We're, we're actually just in the, um, in the beginning stage of that. We, um, we were you know, out here in the Silicon Valley, you know, it's kind of a crazy time and everyone's able to raise a lot of money. So one of the things that that helps us do is we don't have to go and generate revenue as quickly. We can spend more time developing our product and, in our case, um, growing our database before we actually have to spend a lot of time selling. So we spent we spent the last couple of years really focusing on building a product and getting the uh, the um, database ready to go sell. And uh, now we're just in the process of going to integrating. My last company, Jigsaw, we had a huge Salesforce integration, and of course that was one of the things that led to Salesforce acquiring my last company. Well, uh, I assume that uh, you're hoping they'll do the same or another company like it at some point down the road. But but let's yeah. Well, I was going to say, um, you know, unlike some small businesses that are self-funded or, you know, you build your – I've owned a business before that, you know, it, was un, it wasn't a tech business, right, where you kind of, you know, invest your time and your, your blood, sweat, and tears into the business and you, you know, grow it in value and grow the revenue over time. You have the option to just keep having that company run that way for the rest of your life. Um, here, out here in the Silicon Valley, when you take venture capital – um, you only have two choices. You either have to sell your company or you have to take the company public. So for us, the, the game's a little bit differently. For, in this case, I really want to build a, a big, big company. I want to completely change the way that business information is done. So I'm hoping that we don't get bought, and I'm hoping that we go public at some point. 
Well, you know, uh, Dunham Bradstreet has spent the last f- uh, five years trying to reinvent itself and, and uh, try to maintain uh, its position. So uh, challenges like you um, uh, re- uh, really keep them hopping, so, and uh, I hope you c- continue to do so. But, uh, but let's talk a little bit more. Uh, how would a small business use your product? Um, I can sure. So um, the way that, that almost all businesses use us, um, because in a way a small business is just the, almost the same thing as a business professional, right? It, it, and, and small businesses will have smaller amounts of employees, but all businesses need to market. They all need to sell. Um, they all need to keep track of their customers, their competitors, um, their partners, so the way that we help small businesses is that the core use that most people use us for is to track their competitors. But many small companies don't care anywhere near as much about their competitors. But our, our, our product still does the same thing for, say, customers. So if I were a small business user, I would come in and say, hey, I want to keep up with the news and alerts that are happening with my customers. Um, in fact, many of your listeners probably use Google Alerts to do this today. Well, anyone who's ever used Google Alerts knows that you get a lot of noise. You get a bunch of crazy emails coming in. Most of them aren't even relevant to what you're looking at. Um, And uh, it's kind of a frustrating experience, but it's the best available. Well, that's one of the things we do very well because we actually have a team of employees in India. Um, We actually have over 100 employees in India, and we process all of the news feeds that come in from all over the world we use a lot of technology, but um, we also use people to make sure that when an article says it's about a company, that it's indeed about that company. And so, therefore, what we do is we send users news that says, hey, um, here's what you're, what's going on with your customer or your competitor or your partner. And we don't just do news, but we also, one of the things that um, people come in and put on is their blogs. Um, I would imagine that some of your listeners, their companies blog. Well, it's always interesting to hear what you know their customers are saying or their competitors are saying. We also feed um, feed them uh, all of the blog posts that occur, but in a very easy to read way, so they don't have to get um, 50 million emails and get their inbox clogged up. Aller is just a really great way of organizing all that data so that they can consume it easily and make business decisions based on it. Well, um, it it's fr- it's free. How do you make your money? So the beauty is, is we've got um, literally tens of thousands of, of business people, business professionals and business owners that have come in and use our system. And every single person that's come in has said, hey, this is my company and these are my competitors. Well, that's the first really, really valuable piece of data that they give us that we can sell. Because I'm going to ask you a question. If, if you don't know a company very well, but you want to know who they compete with, how do you figure that out today? It's a great question. I don't don't know the answer to that. It's DIY. Do it yourself. You know, you're a journalist, so you're particularly good at this. <laughs> but for <laughs> you know, you you have to go in and Google and you know try to figure it out. Well, that is a very very. There's a whole bunch of ways to use that to make money. Um, and I don't want to bore your listeners with a bunch of esoteric, you know, data business stuff. But the high level would be: imagine if you could sit there and say, okay, here are my hundred customers. Just give me the URL of those companies, right? 
And what we're going to do is crank that into our system, and we're going to spit out what are the next 100 customers that would most likely be your customers? And, you know, what are they based on how competitive they are to those guys? I mean, there's a whole bunch of ways. Same thing with salespeople. They'll sit there and go, hey, this person bought my, my product. Um, these are their competitors. They're very likely to also want to buy my product because they're in the same industry, if you will. So that's just one field that we get. But we also get things, as I mentioned, like revenue, employees, um, and companies come in and fill out their profiles because they're being compared against their competitors. So the main point is is that all of these different business professionals are coming in and adding data to our system, and we sell that data to usually large institutions that pay a lot of money for it because they need to know it in bulk. Well, that, that's clever. And that's, in effect, the Dun & Bradstreet model but uh, you take it, uh, you take it into another level. People use DMB uh, uh, to decide on their credit limits. Uh, yep. Do, do we, also... we do not compete. We do not compete with DMB on credit. That credit is sixty percent of Dun and Bradstreet's revenue, and we don't we don't compete there at all. Forty percent of their revenue is based on on sales and marketing information, and that's where we plan to to really put some pressure on DMB over time. It's exciting. Let's go over to the other side. You start. You you started as a small. You started two businesses, uh, small businesses. What have you learned over time uh, to to make your company successful? Wow. <laughs> Mostly, I've learned what not to do. <laughs> I can share some of that. So actually, um, if you go back beyond um, Jigsaw, which I started in two thousand and three. Before that, I was uh, um, I was in the ski business, and um, that was up in Idaho, of all places. And my college roommate and I, um, we both went to University of Colorado, which um, we fondly call Ski U, because <laughs> everyone calls Colorado Ski U. We call it Ski U. Um, but uh, we, um, um, after we both had short stints, I, w- I was a Navy diving officer for four years after college, and he went off and sold computer systems for Sears. We went, we went up to uh, Idaho, and we, we became owner-operators of this very small ski area called Lookout Pass, which is way up on the Idaho-Montana uh, border. And that was really my first stint at really owning and running a small business. And I learned some of my best and most valuable lessons there. Um, one is about cash management. And um, I get up now in front of uh, you know groups of entrepreneurs and talk a lot about it. And this is usually the one of the first things I talk about is that um, we were young. I was 26 years old. We were both 26 years old when we, when we took over the small ski area. It didn't even do a million dollars a year in revenue. Um, so don't think this was veil <laughs> because it wasn't. <laughs> and, um, you know, but we had a lot of employees. And the one thing that I know all, all entrepreneurs know is that you feel, you know, your company becomes your second family. I mean, these people are dependent on you for their livelihoods. I mean, they're, you know, they need to pay their mortgages and get their kids, you know, their clothes and school supplies, and they're dependent on you and the decisions you make. And we were always overly optimistic. We, uh, we would over-inventory. Um, we always were planning on a, on a uh, you know, a good or great best-case scenario instead of planning on a worst-case scenario. 
And we had a couple of good years, but we also had some really bad years, and we didn't really put cash away for the lean times because running a, a ski business is like being a snow farmer. Um, <laughs> it's really good when you get the right amount of snow, but if you get too little, it's bad, and if you get too much, it's bad. Um, so you kind of need, just like a farmer, right, you, you, uh, you, you've got to really clean up on those great years, and then uh, you've got to plan for the bad ones. And here's where I learned about cash, because we lived in mortal terror at times of making payroll, of paying our vendors. And what I learned is, is that you can see cash problems coming a mile away. And no matter what you do with your business, you have to make decisions that, um, that give you the longest runway. And um, you can't do what we did, and I think a lot of business owners do that fail, is sit there and think, oh, we're going to have a great winter this next winter. We're planning on that. And then it doesn't happen, and you're dead, or you're in literally you know, going to your bank and trying to get a line of credit and trying to get extension on pain. And this hurts. I mean, this is not a fun situation to be in. And I guess the main thing that, that I teach them is it's not like it happens overnight. In most cases, you can see it coming, but you don't make the hard decisions along the way to either cut your expenses or maybe, um, you know, plan on a worst-case scenario. And that's my first thing is that I vowed to myself after being in the ski business that I would never, ever get in a situation where, you know, I would have a cash problem, and I never have. I've always been very, very conservative with cash, and, uh, and I would urge, you know, I, it sounds like a really formulaic and easy thing to think about, but I think it's small business owners, this is the number one reason that they fail is that they run out well, you know they fail because they run out of cash, but it's because they don't look, you know, ahead and go, wow, what happens if this happens and plan on that? You're absolutely right. Uh, <laughs> uh, we're a small business too, and that that's something uh, it's constantly on our mind, watching that, uh, uh, not only the checking account, but the savings account to make yeah. sure. Um, what about employees? You've, uh, uh, you've been in, in, involved with this. How do you choose your employees? Yeah, it's different for each company, I think. Um, but, you know, we all know that, that, you know, there's another thing I say about, you know, what do you have to do to be successful as, a, as I'm going to use my best experience as a tech entrepreneur. But I think it actually applies to every company. It's just the third one is a little bit different for, for smaller businesses that are not venture funded. The first thing you have to do is set the vision, strategy, and culture of the company. The second thing you have to do is hire a great team to execute that vision, strategy, and culture. And then lastly, you have to make sure that the company is funded, either through sales or sometimes in, the, in, in our business, you can go raise money to do that. And so to me, the, the, you've gotta, your team is absolutely critical because, you know, of course, no great business was ever built by one person, right? I mean, it's always a team. And uh, so the way that I go about it is we hire for fit first. In other words, you can find someone that may be just the best person in the world at that particular job, but their personality sucks. I mean, they're disruptive, they're poisonous to your culture. And we have just found that before we look at any other thing, we look at them and say, how are they going to fit in with our team and our culture? Do they believe in the same things that we do? Are they, do they believe in working hard? And do they want to, to make something great? Is it, or do they just want to come and make their paycheck and go home? 
And so for us, if you have people that all have a similar culture, it's, um, it's the first step in it. And then and after that, you, you hire for skill. Because um, we also look at people that we call athletes. People, I love to hire athletes, people that are really smart, really motivated, and, you know, just have lots and lots of energy and optimism. Because when you, you have these people, if you really think about it, almost nothing that we do is rocket science. You can figure it out pretty quick. I mean, there's a YouTube video to teach you anything on earth right now. And uh, really smart people pick stuff up really fast. So we also really look hard at hiring people that are problem solvers and ambitious and not looking at the world in a very structured way. We find that, uh, that if you look at that first and not get enamored by someone who's the smartest person in the world at whatever that particular exact you know, title is, it ends up working a lot better for us, Don. Well, let's get back to Owler. How did you come up with the name? <laughs> well, as you can see, I am Jim Fowler, Fowler from Owler. Um, it was funny because uh, we were thinking about what to name our company, and uh, my marketer came in. Her name is Janet, and she said, Hey, Fowler, everyone calls me by my last name, by the way, Fowler. And uh, she says, I have a perfect name for, for the company. Um, I'm like, what? And she said, Owler. And I laughed and said, okay, haha, good, good joke. And he said, no, I'm serious. Think about it. It's easy to spell. Um, and it, you know, owls, you know, can, you know, have the connotation of, of wisdom. And, uh, it, it's, uh, it's a name that, uh, you know, we can, I think we can brand well. So at first I was a little sheepish about it, but now I love it. It, uh, a lot of people don't figure out the connection between Fowler and Owler, uh, because, you know, they see our, our owl on our logo and all that. But um, that's how the name came up. So I love it. And uh, we, we try to have a lot of fun and keep the brand really light and entertaining. We have a great marketing team that does that. Well, I, when I read it, Owler, I, I immediately thought of the of an owl, the all-wise owl. And uh, uh, that that's where I, I thought it came from. But it's always interesting to find that. Uh, I yeah. the web uh, the website is Owler. Can you spell it out um, for our audience? Sure, it's just simple. O W L E R Owler dot com. Really simple. And uh, 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 I want to keep you on a couple more minutes because uh, you're a fascinating guest. Uh, let Let me just you've given two. Um, what do you think is this, well, outside of finance? What do you think is the uh, single greatest impediment to growth of a small business outside of the finance? Well, finance, you know, is really a function of any business, big, small. It doesn't matter. You know, very few companies in the world are like Apple that have you know a billion dollars in cash. Um, you know, we all are constrained by that. Um, I really think that the 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 hardest thing is innovation. I mean, once you get to a point, you know, you'll take a, a business and there will be, you know, uh, decreasing margins of return, right? In other words, at the beginning, it's fantastic. And then as you get, you know, the, the business gets more and more mature, you know, you get decreasing returns and it, the, um, um, your margins just get lower and lower. And mature companies have to solve this, you know, big, huge companies as well as small have to figure this out because you can only – get so much growth out of something and it's like, how do I get to the next phase of this? And 
a lot of times it's either bringing in a new product or service and just being innovative about that is really difficult because, you know, it, it, it takes the folk, you know, it's how do you focus on your core but also figure out new ways to grow. And I just think that that's really where, you know, the innovation side is what makes companies get wildly successful. Doing the same thing that everyone else is doing just a little better, that's a recipe to get marginalized over time. And I always urge find ways to do it completely different and in ways that other people are not. And, you know, just realize that over time that's going to get marginalized. You know, those are exactly, almost exactly the same word, uh, words. I just interviewed, uh, a, did a pre-tape of John Scully, the former head of Apple. And that's, oh, yeah. And that's exactly what he said, word for word. Huh. That's funny. Well, yeah. well you know, it's, it's amazing. And uh, it's, it's truly amazing. Uh that interview is going to be on uh, next uh, Wednesday night. But interesting. Uh, exactly what he what he was saying. If you don't if you don't have imagination and constantly look for for uh, innovative ways, eventually. And he used the word marginalized. Used exactly the word you used. Huh? Maybe we had the same economics professors <laughs> or we've been through the same battles just i've never not you know he's at a lofty level apple is a great example of this though don i mean think about apple before jobs came back i mean they were just in a in a business that was you know they were getting their butts kicked by microsoft and you know they you know it, sometimes it's one you know that's when i said that's that your primary job when you run a business, is to set the vision, the strategy, and the culture of that company. That is your number one job. And your vision is really where that innovation comes out of. You, your team has to believe that. And, uh, you know, it's, uh, there's only two ways to get this. You either have to build it within or you've got to go and acquire companies. And, of course, you know, most small businesses never think about this, but there are mergers. But the main point is I personally believe that the best growth comes when you invent it yourself, not going out and acquiring something else. Although there are cases where acquiring has done amazing things. I mean, look at YouTube for Google or look at, uh, or Android for Google. I mean, these were acquisitions that had massive and monstrous impact on the business. They didn't invent it internally, but most of us, we have to go figure it out. We can't go and acquire companies. We're not Google or Apple. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, we're not. Uh, Jim, this has really been a fascinating uh, uh, time with you. I hope you'll come back uh, later on this year and talk more. Uh, and uh, if people want to talk to you directly, can they? Um, sure. Yeah, they can. They can reach out um, here at uh, at uh, um, here at Owler. I, my email address is Jim dot Fowler at Owler dot com. Well, uh, really appreciate the time you've taken. Uh, tonight. It's been a, a fascinating time for me. I hope our audience as well. Well, I very much enjoyed it, Don. It'd be my pleasure to come back anytime, and uh, I hope your your listeners have enjoyed it. I wish them all the greatest success with their businesses. Well, you've certainly proven that it can be done and that you're going to do it again. I am. I myself, <laughs> uh, myself am going to go back on and uh, talk with the the head of the company, and 
uh, see if we should be in, in your database. Well, that'd be fantastic. We would love it. Okay. Again, thank you, and have have a good day. Thank you. You too, Don. Best. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening tonight. All of our guests are invited because they offer actionable advice to our audience. They do not pay to join us, but rather demonstrate their capacity for helping our audience and problems. Thank you for listening, and we'll be here again next week with other experts to talk about ways to improve your profit picture. Remember, we're here every week at blogtalkradio.com slash smallbusinessdigest. If you like what you heard today, tell others about our efforts. If you would like to be a guest or suggest topics for future hours, email me at info at smallbusinessdigest.net. That's info at smallbusinessdigest.net. We would also like to remind listeners that besides our radio efforts, Small Business Digest comes to you via the web, through our video channel, and in our magazine. You can subscribe for any or all of these by going to smallbusinessdigest.net. That's smallbusinessdigest.net. Thank you, and have a good day. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo, and we lost track of time. <gasps> no, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.